Why doesn't a lobster share with his friends? Because he's shellfish. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cheesy. But I swear, it does relate to today's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Starting Sustainability. This is episode 130, hosted by yours truly, Kaylin Chenoweth. And yes, I still have drainage going on. I lost my voice for two weeks, got it back for last week's episode, and then immediately got hit with drainage again because the weather cannot figure out what it's doing. It's hot, cold, hot, cold. In fact, it got so cold last night, it got down to the 40s, and we had to turn the heat on for the first time since May, basically. But now that fall is here, that means the fall harvest is here, which means I'll be dealing with this sinus drainage and coughing and blowing my nose and having gook in my throat for approximately the next four to six weeks until the end of October as they're harvesting all of the fields around us because we've got cornfields and soybean fields and everything else going on. So yippee skippy, yay country life. Normally it's not this bad. I mean, I do get hit with it every year, but since I'm pregnant, I can't really take any good medicine. So I just get to tough it out and suffer through. Now let's update you on everything else going on in my world. This is our catch up with Kaylin segment. In the last episode, I left off that we were expecting chickens and they were delivered. So now we have two hens and a rooster. The hens, they're egg laying hens. So I named them Frittata. She's a black and white speckled hen. And the other one is Creme Brulee, who's a nice caramel color or caramel, depending on which part of the country you're from and how you pronounce that. And the rooster is Gallo del Cielo, which is from a country song that Channing really likes. It means rooster of the sky. It's a, it's really a sad song, <laughs> to be honest, but he was excited to name the rooster Gallo del Cielo. So we call him Gallo for short. We spent all of our free time getting the chicken coop ready and the little fenced in area for them to run around in the range area ready. And so we got it basically ready enough to put the chickens in them because the chickens came and had to hang out in our outbuilding in a cage until we got it done. So we got it done within the next day or two, like immediately we got it done. The chickens were delivered Saturday night and on Sunday, the entire day of Sunday from like 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. We did nothing but work on that chicken coop and the kids helped us. And then we had the TV going for them <laughs> as well because anybody with kids knows a two-year and four-year-old their version of helping is not really helping at all. It just slows everything down. So they they helped while it was interesting for a short minute. And then we kind of had the TV babysit them. So I do feel guilty about that. But we got the chickens inside the coop. And then we spent the last weekend basically finishing up anything else. We just had to get it buttoned up. So for the first weekend, we did a lot of band-aids to get it running. And then last weekend, we went back and fixed the band-aids with more permanent solutions. But so far, knock on wood, so far so good. We joined a couple of Facebook groups about raising chickens. And I've learned that everything is a predator. Everything tries to eat your chickens. So we're extra paranoid and on high alert trying to keep our chickens alive. But it has been a very eye-opening and wonderful experience 
They are warming up to us. They'll let us pet them. The kids will get in there and run around with them and chase after them and squeal in delight whenever they do finally get to pet a chicken, which then scares the chickens. Our dog Ruger is chicken curious. We have not let him hang out with the chickens, but we'll let him up to the coop where he can smell them and look at them and he'll tilt his head and look at them and sniff and then he'll bark and, you know, kind of like he's trying to figure out, he's like, do I eat this? Do I attack it? Do I play with it? He's not really sure what he's supposed to be doing with the chicken. So it's been very, very entertaining. None the least. It's, it's consumed our lives for the last two weeks. The other thing I did is I finally, after all summer long, finally went to the Lafayette Farmer's Market. I went by myself because <laughs> we had plans that Saturday afternoon. I was like, look, I am going. So I woke up extra early, went by myself because to bring the whole family is quite a big ordeal. And I was like, I just want to go and check it out. I just wanted to see what it was like. So I got to go and check out and I loved it. It was beautiful. Lots of wonderful options. I got some homemade hand soap. I got some breakfast goodies like cinnamon rolls and gallettes. I found a booth. Okay, there were lots of booths selling produce, but I found one in particular that was selling produce, including pawpaws. Now, I've never actually had a pawpaw. And if you don't know what a pawpaw is, I learned about pawpaws from my foraging books and the foraging Facebook groups that I belong to. It is currently pawpaw season if you can find them. A pawpaw, it's a tree that will grow in the woods, usually near a water source, like a creek or a river or something. And they are a little bit smaller than your hand. They're a green oval fruit. Think of like a mango, but a little bit smaller, but they're green and they will eventually kind of turn yellow. And when they get that yellow skin to them, that's when they are ripe. And a pawpaw is really cool because it's basically the closest thing to a tropical fruit that we have here in the Midwest. Pawpaws, I believe, they'll grow in Indiana. I don't think they quite make it up in Michigan, but they'll grow in Indiana. And then as far south as maybe Alabama, they're not in Florida because it's too hot down there, but they go pretty far east and then they stop around the Missouri state line. Like they'll grow in Missouri, but then after that, not really. So it's kind of the Midwest eastern southern region can't be too hot can't be too cold it's got to be like in the right zone so anyways I bought them and we tried them I got everybody in the family to try it well everybody except for Channing because he's not adventurous but I got the kids to try it and that's what I cared about <laughs> so it was pretty good it's a nice sweet it's very mild it's not strong like a mango but it's kind of like a mango banana papaya mixture it's a very mild sweetness, but it was really good. The seeds are gigantic. The seeds are like the size of a quarter. So you pick those out. And then I thought, oh, this is great because pawpaws are native to Indiana. So they will grow relatively easily. I can grow these on my land. So I saved the seeds and then I did all the research and found out it's actually a lot of work. <laughs> Once you save the seeds, they can never get dried out. You have to keep them wet and they have to be cold or dormant, I guess, refrigerated for 100 days. So I put them in some peat moss and I put them in a Tupperware container. I got the peat moss wet, put them in a Tupperware container. So they're at the back of my fridge. So I have to wait at least 100 days at a minimum, which will place me like in the middle of January, I think. <laughs> so I have to wait till February, March. Then you grow it inside in a pot until it's about a foot and a half tall as a tree. Then you can plant it outside 
And then you really got to baby it quite a bit. And then in about seven to eight years, you'll finally get fruit for all of your effort. And that's a lot of work I didn't realize. I mean, I figure the next seven to eight years are coming. I'll give it a shot. We'll see if it works, but I'm not going to be heartbroken if it doesn't work because I already realized that the odds are kind of stacked against me. I think I'm going to have better luck finding someone that I know that has land that I can explore and forage on that already has pawpaw trees on them. And when I say pawpaw, it's P-A-W space P-A-W, pawpaw. That's the pawpaw tree with the pawpaw fruit. And on this podcast before, you've heard me talk about the town of Franklin where I used to live. There was a big kids consignment sale twice a year called Here We Grow Again. And I moved up here to Lafayette about an hour and a half away. And there is a very similar sale called Little Bird Lane. So I was very excited to hear about this sale. So I signed up to be a consigner and gathered up all of the kids' toys and clothes and things that we don't need anymore, priced them out, took them to the sale, sold them off, got rid of the stuff that we no longer need, and then I was able to go to the sale and go shopping this past Saturday and got some of the new clothes and shoes and items that we do need for the kids. I'm not going to lie, I really like the one in Franklin a lot better. This one's not as big or magnificent, but it still works still there. So if the Here We Grow Again sale is not near you, because it is a franchise, there are other similar sales. You'll just have to look a little bit. I think the best way to find them would be to join mom groups on Facebook, like for your town, and they'll be able to tell you when these kid consignment sales come along. And speaking of kid news, five weeks. Five weeks left until the baby arrives. And I am so excited for this countdown. (laughs) Everybody always asks, how you doing? How's the pregnancy? There's five weeks left. I am absolutely humongous. I have a hard time putting my shoes on. If I have to bend down to the floor to pick something up, I have to do a gigantic ballerina plie squat to get down there. It's really hard to get back up because my balance is off. I got this giant basketball watermelon gut in the way. (laughs) I'm starting to get heartburn. I'm starting to feel it in my lower back. Although I did get a maternity belt. It's like a support belt that legit lifts your belly up out of your hip bones, which has been amazing. For those of you who stuck around for kid number two, when I was pregnant with Colt near the tail end, I couldn't even walk because my hips were so out of alignment. It was messing up my muscles and it was very painful and I couldn't even walk the last two weeks of the pregnancy. So I did start physical therapy today to ensure that my hips stay in alignment so I can continue walking and being a mom of two other little kids while carrying this little one around inside my gut. But five weeks left, five weeks, and I am super, super duper excited. And it is officially October at this point. And October is a beautiful month. There's a couple of things that I think about for the month of October. The first one is my mama's birthday is October 4th. So happy 80th birthday to my mom. That was one of the things that we did this past weekend. We threw her a surprise birthday party because my birthday is September 23rd, which was a Friday. So on September 25th, we are having a gathering under the guise of a girl's day out to kind of celebrate my birthday and get some sister bonding. The whole family showed up. Mom had no idea. And it was a very nice, wonderful 80th birthday surprise for my mom. 
Happy birthday, mom. <laughs> Hopefully you're listening. She's listened to a handful of episodes, but it's not a weekly thing. So I'll have to make sure I actually send her this in email and say, click on this link and listen to this podcast episode. <laughs> so happy birthday, mom. We all love you very, very much. And the other thing about October that I always think about, well, Halloween is always there and the beautiful fall season, but October is National Seafood Month. I like to do a podcast where I cover sustainable seafood and how to ensure that when you purchase and consume seafood that we're doing it in a much needed sustainable manner. Seafood is wonderful because it's an excellent component of a healthy diet, but overfishing bycatch and seafood fraud can make it quite challenging to decide which fish to eat. Monterey Bay Aquarium has a seafood watch program and they shared some advice for buying seafood that has been fished or farmed responsibly. Your seafood choices are very critical to a healthy ocean. You can get a seafood watch guide from the website which is www.seafoodwatch.org And when you go there, it's literally on the front page. It's on the home page. You just go to seafoodwatch.org, scroll down just a little bit, and it will say consumer guides. And you click on that button and it will give you guides for the West Coast, for the East Coast, for Hawaii, for there's all sorts of guides. You can pick the one for your area. It's excellent. It's awesome. And once you get these guides, you can download them and print them off and carry them with you. You can download them and keep them on your phone. They also have an app. So you can get the Seafood Watch app and pull that up whenever you're trying to make a seafood choice at the restaurant or grocery store, anything to help ensure that you're making a good sound decision. The way that the Seafood Watch guide works is that it will give you recommendations on which fish to choose. You will need to know three basic things. You need to know the species of the fish, like what kind of fish it is, where the seafood is from, and how it was caught, if it was either caught or if it was farmed. For example, salmon. If salmon is on the menu, find out if it's Atlantic salmon or Chinook salmon, chum, coho salmon, pink salmon, sockeye salmon. Find out what kind it is. Then ask your waiter or your server where it is from and how it was caught or farmed. Now, sometimes this is going to be hard to find out how seafood is caught or farmed, but often just knowing the country of origin will tell you whether to buy this product or not. You can also check to see if there are recommendations for an eco-certified option. And if you are in doubt, you can choose a different best choice seafood. So on the guide, they have best choices. So if you're not sure if that specific salmon is eco-friendly or not, maybe the tilapia is, maybe the pollock is. So you can just pick a different fish is what I'm saying. We want to choose a business or fisherman that you trust. Many businesses have already made commitments to sustainable seafood and shopping at a restaurant or grocery store with a commitment means that you can do your research before visiting and be confident that what is ordered meets your sustainability expectations. If you have access to a local fisherman, which we used to in Florida, but not so much here in Indiana, (laughs) but if you have access to a local fisherman, that's another great way to learn more about the seafood that you're buying and the people that harvested it. It's also recommended to ask questions. The easiest thing you can do is ask the question, do you sell sustainable seafood? By doing so, you help drive change in the marketplace. The more that businesses here support for sustainable seafood, the more interest they have in providing it as an option. 
we encourage you to thank the businesses that sell sustainable seafood and ask those that don't to visit seafoodwatch.org and to learn about sustainable seafood practices. It's also recommended to buy whole fish. Whole fish may seem outside the comfort zone for most people cooking at home, but it is definitely more affordable, versatile, and less likely to have fraudulent labeling. If you have the Seafood Watch recommendations handy, whole fish can be a great way to guarantee that you're getting the sustainable product that you paid for. And finally, if whole fish is available, ask the store to clean, gut, and portion it for you. Here in North America, we mainly eat five seafood products, canned tuna, shrimp, tilapia, salmon, and pollock. Considering Seafood Watch has recommendations for over 300 species, that is a very limited menu of those five fish. So the next time that you buy seafood, consider trying something new. If you're not a skilled cook, trying something new can be very intimidating. So I would recommend going to a restaurant to try something new, a restaurant that you trust, that you know is sustainable, but you can try the new dish there. And it can also be a little daunting because seafood isn't always the cheapest option. So it can be nerve wracking to go to a new restaurant, pick out an expensive dish only to not like it. I, I do get that these are all considerations. For more affordable adventure exploration, then you can buy it from the grocery store or from the market and then go home and look up a recipe on Pinterest or something and then prepare the new seafood item that way. I'm not going to lie, this can be quite an experience. <laughs> You'll definitely learn. <laughs> You'll definitely learn a lot, that's for sure. But hey, that's what Facebook and Pinterest are for, right? If you mess something up or if you need to try to figure out something new, we've got YouTube videos, people that you can ask. There's always like, you know, a guy out there. I got a guy for this. I got a guy for that. I say guy, but it could be guy or a girl. But maybe it's just my world because I work in the food industry. So I do know a lot of chefs. If I'm butchering something or don't know if I'm butchering, not literally butchering, but if I'm preparing a new food dish and don't have a clue what I'm doing, I can always reach out to them. So I would suggest finding somebody who's got some culinary skills to reach out to. Maybe invite them over. Have them help you prepare the meal. Either have them be on standby to help you or come on over and prepare the meal with you and show you how to do it. Those are also good options. That's all that I have for you this week. It's a bit short and sweet. My new HR position is going well, but it does take up a lot of time. <laughs> and with the little tiny bit of free time that I do have left, I put together this podcast episode, play mom, build chicken coops, and now that it is October, I am planning out Halloween costumes and trying to figure out what we're going to be as a family for Halloween and getting them all put together because I'm not going to buy those on Amazon. I'm going to make them. One, it's way more fun and two, it's cheaper <laughs> and sustainable as well. Either way, I am super excited for Halloween. I finally have a big gigantic belly and there are a lot of options that I can do with a big gigantic belly for Halloween. I was pregnant. Let me see, with Corbin, it was right around Halloween when I found out I was pregnant with him. So I was only like six weeks pregnant. Nobody could see a belly there. And with Cole, I think I was only two or three months pregnant at that time. So again, no gigantic belly. So this time, third time's a charm and it is on. I have like 12 different costumes that I want to do and I need to go narrow it down. <laughs> 
It is now time for the weekly challenge. So I'm going to draw a card out of here. And this is the very last card out of our Become an Eco Warrior card deck that my niece Emily gave me almost two years ago. I think she gave this to me. And we've been drawing a card out of here every week. So this is the last one. I'm curious to know if everybody has been doing these every time that I call out a challenge. The last card in this deck says... Avoid letting the water run when brushing your teeth or washing the dishes. Water conservation totally ties in with seafood conservation. I'll take it. That's a good one to end on. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do for the next episode. I'll have to come up with something else. I think I've said that for about three episodes in a row and then I just haven't done it. <laughs> a lot of other things keep popping up in my life that are taking precedence. But yes, do that. You can. That's an easy challenge. It's not even a challenge. It's an easy habit to start. Just turn off the water. Avoid letting the water run when brushing your teeth or washing the dishes. You can do that if you're not doing it already. Super simple. You can teach your kids to do that too. The next episode will be October 17th and we will go over indoor gardening options because my fall garden has not succeeded. It has totally failed. I flopped on that. I take full credit. <laughs> I suck. <laughs> but now I'm looking into what else can I do? What can I do inside? Because it's too late at this point to do anything outside because the first frost date is too close. But there are some indoor gardening options that I would like to share with you on October 17th. Sustainer Nation, until then, continue to save the world. And I will talk to you all later. Have a great one. Bye.